Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Monday on which Liverpool will travel to Leicester, take on Leicester City in the Premier League. Three games left, three wins needed to keep the pressure on the teams above. Obviously, at the weekend, Manchester United won their game, beating Wolves 2-0. Fairly uninspiring performance from both teams. But Newcastle did stumble. Newcastle drew 2-2 away to Leeds. Having gone 2-1 up, they'll be very disappointed, but they were very poor on the day. So they're now four points ahead of us, as United are, with the same number of games played. And we can take a maximum of nine points from our three games, obviously. So that would get us to 71 points as a maximum on the season. Now, it would mean ending what's been a really poor season on a nine-game winning streak, which is likely just beyond the reach of what this team are capable of right now. But we've seen this group of players do it before. United need six points from their three games because we have a significantly better goal difference than them. United have Bournemouth away. They could easily lose that because their away form has been really, really poor. But then they finish with back-to-back home games. Home to Chelsea, home to Fulham. Now, the hope will be that Chelsea could maybe go there and spoil their way to a draw. Chelsea have the talent to go and beat United. They just don't have the manager. They don't have the belief. And then Fulham final day of the season. I mean, Fulham pretty clearly on the beach, but good result at the weekend. Looks like a team that wants to maybe pick up some more points and and finish the season on a high. It's back-to-back wins for them after a really poor run. They get Palace home next, then they get United. And maybe, maybe Fulham can do something for us. For the tune... Their magic n- number is, is really five because they have a better goal difference than us. So if they get to 71, barring some sort of situation where we hammer somebody, they're probably going to have a better goal difference than us. And if, as I've said before, if we can get to plus 30, 
the maths say that should get you top four. History says that gets you top four. Only two teams in the last 30-plus years in the big six leagues have finished with plus 30 and not finished in the top four. One was Fiorentina because of a points deduction, and one was Arsenal because four other teams also finished plus 30. Now, Newcastle at the moment are plus 32. United are plus 10. United are plus 10. That is woeful. Absolutely woeful. They're very, very fortunate to be in this situation. But only two wins from their last five games. And I don't know how much faith I put in them. Newcastle have Brighton on Thursday. Now, Brighton just went to the Emirates and wiped the floor with Arsenal. And Brighton are potentially a team that could get a really high finish. You know, they could finish fifth if things broke their way. Their max is 70. So if we win our games, it doesn't really matter what they do. If they get sixth, they'll be thrilled. They will be thrilled if they finish in, finish in sixth. They've got four games left. They'll want to beat Newcastle. They'll go to that game believing they can beat Newcastle and wanting to beat Newcastle. And if they play like they did yesterday and Newcastle play like they did on Saturday, Brighton will beat them. Then they get Leicester at home. And while you might think that's an easy game, Leicester are scrapping to stay in the league right now. And as things stand, they sit 19th. And hopefully we'll compound their misery and beat them tonight, which will mean they have to win at least one, maybe both of their last two to stay up. So they'd have to go to Newcastle and give it everything they have. And then the Toons final game is away to Chelsea. And this has been an embarrassing season for Chelsea. All the money spent, they're on their third manager of the season. Todd Bowley has shut down the football club and opened a a circus. But they'll want to finish the season on at least somewhat of a high. They won't want to finish the season potentially below Crystal Palace. It's bad enough they're going to be below Fulham and Brentford and Aston Villa and Brighton, teams that they would have thought they'd easily finish above. So maybe final day of the season at the bridge, they can get something there. But if Brighton could win, then Newcastle will need to win their last two games. If they get a draw, they can afford another draw. But if Brighton can win, Newcastle would need to beat Leicester, which they probably will in fairness. But then they'd need to go and they'd need to win at the bridge. And that could be tough. Jeez, you give up on something and they just they just make it hard for you, don't they? They really do make it hard. We just need to take care of our own business. Beat Leicester tonight. Beat Villa on Saturday. And then we go to Southampton last day of the season in with a shot. Probably relying on other teams to do us favours on the last day. But stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. 
And Southampton are already relegated, so we should be going there and winning comfortably. Tonight is tough. As bad as Leicester are, they've caused us problems in the past. And if you just look back at last season, where we went there, they'd just been walloped 6-3 by City. They'd only won two of their previous seven games. They'd only won four games all season. And that was the 18th match of the year. They were missing most of their team. They had midfielders playing in defence. If we take a look at their lineup on the day, they had Schmeichel and goal. Daniel Amarty is nominally a right back playing in central defence next to Wilfred Ndidi, who's a midfielder. Castanier, who's not a very good fullback at right back, and Luke Thomas at left back. In midfield, they had Bubakari Sumare, who'd not really featured a whole bunch to them and was in poor form. Hamza Chowdhury, who Rogers didn't rate. And then Jewsbury Hall and Madison, who are both excellent. And up front, they had Vardy and Ianacho. But they were missing a number of players. All their centre-backs were injured. Both their first and second-choice right-backs were injured. The best holding midfielder was sitting in defence. There was no Yuri Tielemans, no Harvey Barnes. And in a game where we had 63.4% of the possession and 21 shots, including a penalty, they managed to beat us 1-0 with the only shot they had on target going in because someone decided not to do the defensive work. So we've been here with Leicester, where we go there expecting to win. And tonight we'll expect to win, but they will make it tough for us. And we really do need to show up. Jürgen's got some big decisions to make in terms of his team selection. Injury-wise, we know there'll be no Bobby. We know there'll be no Naby Keita. There'll be no Thiago. There'll be no Calvin Ramsey. There'll be no Stefan Besetic. They're all out for tonight. For Leicester, no James Justin, no Ian Acho, no Vestigard, no Bertrand. Vestigard, Bertrand wouldn't play anyway. And Justin's been out for <clears throat> for quite a while with the uh, the, the torn Achilles. Um, it's going to be a tough game. It is going to be a tough game. The main Liverpool websites, obviously... This is Anfield has plenty of pre-match coverage. Uh, you've got a suggested lineup put together by, I think, Adam Beatty. Adam Beatty it is. Um, so this team is Allison, Trent, Ibu, Virgil, Robbo, Henderson, Fabinho and Jones. Salah, Gakpo and Jota. I, I would be surprised if Luis Diaz doesn't start. I'd be very surprised if Diaz doesn't start. Uh, there's another suggestion here of a 4-2-3-1 that's absolutely horrible with a double pivot of Henderson and Fabinho, which is just asking for trouble. But I would be very surprised if Diaz doesn't start. Uh, Ten key things to know ahead of Liverpool versus Leicester. 
I still know Bobby, Dean Smith, who did oversee a couple of wins for Villa against Liverpool, is now the manager after Brendan got himself sacked. Liverpool have won their last two outings against Leicester, but it hasn't always been smooth sailing against Monday night's opponents. Jürgen's Jürgen's side were without a win in three in this fixture prior to the two wins in 2022. Leicester have won five of their nine home wins, sorry, nine home meetings against Liverpool since coming up in 2014. Um, They obviously beat us last year. They beat us there in their title winning season. They also beat us there in the 2021 season where we went with Quebec and Henderson at centre-back and it was just a train wreck, an absolute train wreck. Um, you should expect goals. The sides have not played out a goalless draw in their 19th meetings, which almost certainly means it could be a goalless draw. Uh, a welcome break. The lads had a little trip to Barcelona. Thiago was with the squad, which is nice to know, potentially uh, acting as the cultural attaché. Uh, Mo Salah will pass Steven Gerrard with his next goal for the club. And hopefully that will be tonight because, you know, once Mo scores, it sets us on our way. After Gerrard, it's Billy Little who becomes the next one in his sights. Now it's another 40-odd goals to get there, but it's Mo. You certainly wouldn't put it past him. He'll do it maybe not next season, but the season after. That's the three, the two more years he has under contract after this. Mo will, I'd be amazed if he doesn't pass Billy Little. An unwanted hat-trick for FaZe. <laughs> Wood FaZe, uh, scoring two goals at Anfield this season, uh, had probably been our best performance by an outfield player up until that point. Uh, there's a piece about James Milner, there's a piece about Craig Paulson being the referee, and you can follow the action with This Is Anfield on their uh, live match day blog. Plenty to read on This Is Anfield, so do check out everything that they've got going there. There's a funny piece about Fernando Torres and a, a bust up with a former Liverpool teammate that you can read. Brighton to replace Alexis McAllister with familiar Liverpool midfield target. It looks like Mo Dehoud is on his way. Mo Dehoud almost became one of the first signings of the Jurgen Klopp era. Uh, Liverpool transfer news as 65 million bid ready and bargain Premier League star wanted, say Liverpool.com. So let's have a gander here. Um, the 65 million, I would bet, is a rally and too many it is. I, I would be... Like him and Caicedo, those two would be transformational either. Now, ideally, you get both and completely transform the midfield. And those two make you title contenders. If you did nothing else but got those two, you would be title contenders next season. Caicedo could play that left-sided eight role that Curtis has been playing. He's more than good enough on the ball. He's an absolute monster off the ball. Chew many in Fabinho's position and have Curtis, Thiago, and Henderson rotating in that right-sided role. And then 
while Robbo's not ideal in the left side centre back role, I'd put up with it for another year to get those two. That if that was all we did, that would be good enough. Um, there's been reports that we're looking at Duje Coletta Carr. He has been, and I mean this in its fullest sense, a steaming pile of dog shit since going to Southampton and is someone that we should avoid like the plague. He has been horrendous for them. Don't even consider it. Don't care what the price is, personally. Ford Jose Mourinho has molded into 36-goal star. Can be $49 million Roberto Firmino heir. That is Tammy Abraham, who's nothing like Bobby at all. Uh, there's immediate digest, please, here. Supercomputer predicts Liverpool's Champions League chances as Jurgen Klopp hope comes clear. So you can check that one out. Liverpool left calculating value of Newcastle slip as Manchester United joins transfer race. Let's have a look. Uh, Newcastle slip up against Leeds. Uh, United have joined the race for Ryan Gravenberch. They're absolutely welcome to him. Absolutely welcome to him. Um, what else is in here? Mason Mount transfer latest. Um, suggested price there is about 50 million. That would be fair. It's a little bit high for a guy with one year left. But, I mean, he is a very good player. Uh, Ryan Gravenberch work taking place. It's football insider. I mean, just mindless shite. Um, that's pretty much it from Liverpool.com. There's a load more pieces about different transfer targets. Um, Julian Timber, Romeo Lavia. I'd be very, very, very interested in Romeo Lavia. I'd be very, very interested in uh, Armel Belakotchup if we were going to Southampton. Uh, Timber, to me, just doesn't make sense. In our team... In the new system, he could be an Ebu backup. But he'd be a backup. He's not better than Ebu. And he, so what, why would you buy him? He's not going to play the left sided role. He's not good enough on his left foot to play that role. He's a really good player. Like, really good. And if the plan was to maybe move Trent into midfield on a permanent basis, then Julian Timber as a right back would be great. He would be absolutely phenomenal in that role. Timber, Kanate, Virgil, and Robbo or replacement left back. But instead of buying someone like Inacio, you would have to buy a more attack-minded left back to give you that balance. Timber would be fantastic in a back four as a right back. In a three, he'd be good. But again, he's not better than Ibu. He's definitely not better than Virgil. And he would be really awkward on the left when you could just buy someone like Inacio. You could probably buy Bastoni for the type of money that Ajax will ask for Timber. And they'd be more naturally fitted to the role. Um, On AnfieldIndex.com, we have a bunch of new articles, actually. Uh, The news team have put together a couple. One is about Alisson. It's a really good piece. Have a look at that. One is about David Woodfine, who is joining the Exodus. And leaving the club, he's been in charge of loans for the last number of years. Uh, So yet another member of Michael Edwards' backroom staff moving on. 
Uh, Dave Davis has a scouting report of Aurelian Chuameni. That's a very good piece. There is a piece by Stephen Smith about whether Trent should move into midfield on a permanent basis. And then there's an interesting one that they, that Stephen has put together as well uh, regarding who should take the number eight shirt because obviously Naby is leaving. And this summer, seven, eight, nine, and ten are all available. Now, I would say if Alexis arrives, he fits the number 10 shirt perfectly. I think Luis Diaz, it belongs in the number seven shirt. The number seven shirt should be one of our best, most attack-minded, creative, inventive players, someone that excites people. That's the history of that shirt. It's been, with respect, it's been wasted on James Milner, who doesn't excite anybody. Even James Milner knows that James Milner is not an exciting player or person. So that's fine. But number seven should never have gone to him. Number eight was Stevie, who many people will have down as our greatest ever player. Uh, They will at worst have him in their top five because we've had a lot of great players. Kenny, Billy Little, Graeme Souness, Alan Hansen, John Barnes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Stevie, regardless of what way you look at it, is in that very upper echelon. But there's a piece, there's a piece here by Stephen where he goes through the potential contenders for that shirt. Now, the only thing I'm going to disagree with him on in this piece is he says that the number seven is equally important. For me, seven is significantly more important. Because if we look at the people that have worn the number eight shirt, it's not stars. McManaman wore it for a couple of years. But other than that, like Gary Ablett, Ronnie Rosenthal, Nicky Tanner, David Burroughs, Barry Venison, Gary Gillespie, John War, Craig Johnston, Jan Mulby wore it on a couple on two separate occasions for like for full seasons, basically, or for most of the seasons. Um Steve Nichol. Ronnie Whelan for a year. Like, it's not a number that's had star quality. Even if we move further forward, Phil Charnock, Jamie Redknapp, Don Hutchinson, Paul Stewart, Redknapp again, Stan Collymore, had the star power, just obviously had issues. Ivan Leonardson. I mean, Ivan Leonardson was number eight for two years. Pesky Ward for five years. And... Did well, obviously, but, you know, at the same time, it's Emil Heskey. It's not someone that was one of our star players. Eight is just Gerard. Seven is Doug Leash. It's Keegan. It's Beardsley. It's Suarez. Eight is really just Gerard. So it's not as important as seven. I don't think it's as important as nine or ten. I'm not even sure it's as important as six in the history of the club. But it is important because it was Gerard's number. Now, the options that Stephen has put forward here, Alexis McAllister, if he were to arrive, I would rather Alexis wearing the number ten than the number eight. Look, the obvious one, if he arrived, would be Jude. Jude would be number eight. Simple as that. 
Gakpo, I could see that. I could see that. Curtis Jones, no. I, it needs to be somebody who is a nailed-on starter. And that's not Curtis. That's why seven has been part of why seven has been wasted on Milner. Because he hasn't been a starter since well, since we got good. He was a starter in 15, 16, and 16, 17. And after that he wasn't. Robbo took the spot at left back. And in midfield, Ox, Henderson, Emery, and Ginny were all ahead of him. And that was 1718, and his role has reduced since then. So, no to Curtis. But Trent is an interesting one. Now, Trent might like 66, but I hate the fact that he wears 66. Trent, for me, would be perfect in that number eight shirt. I think he's a future captain of the club. He's a homegrown player, came through the academy, same as Stevie. And I think Trent should get the number eight shirt, especially if he's going to continue to play in midfield, be it in a hybrid role, be it in a full-time move, whatever it is. I think Trent as number eight works. Diaz seven, Trent eight, Darwin nine, Alexis if he arrives ten. I think that works. Uh, Podcast-wise, Guy says, and I quote... If a right-back wears eight, I'll never watch a game again. Um, I will just point out that Guy is still watching football many years after the abomination that was William Gallas wearing the number 10 jersey at Arsenal. So let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves, Guy. Uh, Podcast-wise, there is a scouted for Leicester. There's the press conference pod for Leicester as well. There's also a rival recon. Harry was joined by Jordan Blackwell, who's a really good reporter for the Leicester Mercury. So do check that one out. Uh, Milan Barros wearing number five. I mean, yeah, you lived through this. Trent wearing eight is far less upsetting than Milan Barros wearing five. Um, And there is the main Anfield Index podcast, episode 364. It was Trev, Guy, and Lisa Marie. So do check that out there as well. And that's it. That's all I have for today. So enjoy the game. And hopefully we're here tomorrow discussing another three points and the pressure being piled on Manchester United and Newcastle United. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index, and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.